Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ranting Atheist Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a clubhouse room discussion we had a couple of weeks ago titled The Fear of Hell. If you were brought up in the two popular Abrahamic religions, especially Christianity, there is no way you didn't hear about hellfire. It was used to terrify us as children, used to put us in line as adults, and it has created a sort of trauma for some people all over the world. So this was a fun discussion, getting people's perspective on hell, the intensity of belief when they actually believed it, then also how they were able to get over the fear of hell. So if you are here to subscribe, please consider subscribing. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any other place you get your podcasts. Then please join us on the Freethinkers Hangout on Clubhouse. The links are in the show notes below. So now let's go and listen to the clubhouse discussion we had a couple of weeks ago titled The Fear of Hell. Uh, having your voice recorded, please don't come up. And we understand why you won't want that. So that's why we put that sign recording. So anyone that is coming in, we know that everything here is being recorded. So. Welcome to the Ranting Atheist Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the fear of hell. The fear of hell fire. All I as we go to hell. All I as we go to hell. Okay, huh? hell, <laughs> hell <fire>. Oh boy. <laughs> they use that thing to threaten us. So they, eh? the, the hellfire. Hellfire is the stick to the carrots called heaven. It's uh, it took it was it's, that's the way I look at it now. Does that tell you what I saw? That's how I actually got rid of my fear of hell, because fear the hell or more hell really terrorized me. I had so many dreams of falling into hell. You know, even that uh, <laughs> <laughs> even even that uh, situation of. Uh, when you are dreaming, next thing you are falling down, next thing the long time of falling down, it was like it was almost like I was seeing fire down below, only to now wake up <laughs> in myself. So during the construction, you know, seeing all the slavery, all the bullshits, all the what even triggered me, the Genesis 38, how women are being treated. I was still like hellfire, man, hellfire. It was where did I it was the one I think it was a video. Wherein the person analyzed it on how this heaven and hell, it is it just drew a parallel with the carrot and stick mentality. Wherein, if you obey, you will be rewarded. If you disobey, you'll be punished. But the end goal is to keep you in line, keep you in check. So depending on your personality, if you are attracted to reward, the reward will keep you pushing. If you are a stubborn goat, the stick of hellfire will keep you in check. So that is what heaven and hell is about within the religious concept. Then seeing that, okay, uh, there's also heaven and hell in Islam. Oh, so this, everybody has their, their in their own cinematic, cinematic universe, they have their own heaven and hell. That's the way I now saw it before I now finally lost that fear. So it was being able to see the carrot and stick parallel between heaven and hell. 
Then also see that heaven and hell concepts are also in different religions, which now enabled me to see that these concepts are designed to be to be the psychological gatekeepers for people to remain in those belief systems. And that is why it will continue and continue. So it is a psychological battle. The conversion from religion, religion is a psychological battle. Once you are able to to win it, nothing can stop you. It is, it's a constant battle in the head. Only that, yes, in the case of Muslims, there's also the danger of actually being killed. So let's not uh, discard that. But looking at it from a Christian perspective, as a former Christian, it was always psychological. Yes, there are some people they will be shunned. They are, their parents can chase them out of the house. But the Christian will not kill you, fortunately. Fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like if they, if they could, they would. Because they always tell you, go and try that with Islam. Mm-hmm. They, exactly. They tell you, go and try that with Islam. But the basic concept of hell, hellfire is a gatekeeper. And it's a mental prison to, to keep you in that mental prison called religion. So that's all for now. Uh, John, carry on. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of things that you said. I think uh, there are things that I also considered quite much. I I think noticing the way uh, Muslims fear their own concept of hell very well. Like I noticed that Muslims fear hell very well. And they don't just fear hell. They fear this concept of um, punishment in the grave. Because Muslims believe that when you die, before there is this um, final resurrection, there's going to be punishment in the grave for people that are, I don't know, I don't know the exact, the exact theology behind that, but there is punishment in the, in the grave, then you are raised up and then there is now hell. So I noticed that Muslims fear all these things very well and I just find it very irrational. So I'm like, okay, if I'm finding these their beliefs irrational, why am I having this psychological reaction to the one I've been brought up in, uh, brought up with rather, doesn't really make sense. So that is one part of it for me. And one other very big part of it, like something that made me overcome this fear of hell, is just reading the Bible. Uh, it may sound funny to a lot of people, but I'm going to try to explain. So if you read the Bible, you know um, Christians have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. If you read a lot of the Old Testament, you notice that there is nothing there is really no this concept of being punished in the afterlife. You don't really have it there. You even have so many parts of the Old Testament. That's the I think the the Jewish Torah, where Yahweh you see him uh, giving warnings to his people. I think a good example of this is uh, is it Deuteronomy twenty seven? I'm not sure if it's twenty seven or it should be Deuteronomy twenty seven, where Yahweh gives. He says, okay, if you, are, if, you, if, you, if you guys keep my laws, this is what is going to be in it for you. This is going to be what you stand to gain. And the ironic part about this um, chapter that I'm talking about, if there's anybody that knows what I'm talking about, you can just um, let us know, is that there's a path for blessings, then there's a path for disobedience and causes. Mm-hmm. And if you compare both paths, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the path for punishment is so, it's like times two of the path for blessing. So what I'm just trying to say is that he tells them that, okay, this is what is going to happen if you don't obey my laws. And you can see the type of things that he uses to threaten them. You can see things like, I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to make your children starve and die. You're going to be poor. Your your land is not going to be fertile. You're going to be in famine and all that. So many things like that. So many earthly 
uh, things that are not that people don't desire but you never see him saying like you don't you don't see him saying uh yeah if you don't obey me there is this place where you are going to go and you are going to suffer for eternity no you see that that concept is not there so when you read you you read the old testament and you see that this um this concept of being tormented in the, in the afterlife like it's missing you ask yourself this question that okay does it make sense that god is trying to uh, God is trying to warn people of the the dangerous things that can happen if they disobey Him, and He forgets to talk about the like the very big one, like outcome. So if you if you if you approach the Bible from that perspective, you can see that okay, this is something that the way human beings develop beliefs, this is something that this is a much more later development. This is something that was added to the religion much after all. So when when you when you see it from that perspective, like it just it just sort of feel very silly to you and you just find it uh you just find it strange and that was one uh one, one thing that helped me overcome that uh, that psychological fear of hell very much uh all right so uh who is who is going to speak next okay uh, i think bagwell's next bagwell are you there okay bagwell is not there uche Am I audible? Can anybody hear me? I hope I'm not in an echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I okay, hear you. okay. Uche is not available. Okay. Neil, you want to say anything? Yeah, I hear what John is saying about. Uh, uh, I actually looked up the verse that he was talking about. Uh, like Leviticus 26 says. If you follow my statutes and carefully keep my commands, I will give you rains on your season and land and yield produce. So basically your family won't starve. And uh, uh, basically what I'm hearing from you guys is that hell is fear. Um, It's based on ideas of behavior modification and trying to keep behavior in check. It's a psychological um uh, fear where, um, I'll tell you that, um, I'm a Christian and I, um, I, I don't believe that, um, that it's about behavior modification. I, I think some people, when they share the gospel, when they talk about Jesus, they talk about how Jesus, like, if you don't believe this, you will go to hell. That is not the correct way to share the gospel. <laughs> That's not the correct way to, to share about Jesus. And I, I know that I, my, my, my worldview is different than most people that are listening. My worldview is different than, uh, than you. And I want you to know that I respect your commitment to your worldview. Um, as a ranting atheist, John, I, I respect your worldview as well. Um, and I think it's important to have a worldview discussion first and to understand that we come from, from different worldviews. So, uh, presuppositions are very important. Um, and so the presuppositions that, uh, that I have are different than your presuppositions, just about, uh, where the world came from, where the world is going. Um, I would say in terms of having a discussion on hell, um, I, I think the the um, uh, from a Christian worldview, it's important to have the discussion about how do you solve the problem of evil in our world. 
what is the answer to the problem of evil in our world? We hear, um, like we see what's happening in Afghanistan, there's wars continuing in Africa, there's wars continuing um, in other places in the world, um, the Middle East, so so many crazy things, hurricanes uh, that's uh, going through Haiti or just went through Haiti and the devastation that's happening there right now. Um, uh, how do you um, have any semblance of justice? And so um, my belief and and I, w- I think the, the, the purpose um, of hell is that God is using it for um, cosmic justice. But uh, I just, I, you know, I, it's, it's hard to, uh, to give you a broad answer that, that will satisfy everyone because I know that I come from a, a different worldview. But uh, I, I guess my question for everyone else, uh, if anyone wants to answer, is how do you, from a secular worldview or from your specific worldview, you might be Muslim, you might be something else, how do you deal with the problem of evil in our world and what is your answer for justice? And um, even if we don't see justice on this side of the world, if you read in, uh, in the New Testament, it talks about it. In uh, Romans chapter 12, it talks about how uh, God will have uh, uh, um, vindication. He will have justice. That at the end, when everything is done, there will be there will be cosmic justice. But um, from your worldview, how, how do you deal with evil in our world and punishment for that evil, even if it doesn't go punished in this lifetime? Thank you for letting me talk. All right, thank you for talking. Uh, Mikey, you wanted to respond? Yes. Um, hi, thanks for um, letting me speak. Uh, Thanks, Neil, for coming on and sharing uh, sharing with, with us. I know, like being in a in a place filled with atheists, it's not usually every Christians. Uh, uh, not all Christians really comfortable coming to spaces like this. So, um, so uh, a couple of things I wanted to pick on um, was uh, the thing. Uh, you don't think of hell as behavior modification, and I, you said more as justice. And I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive. So I would use our legal system. Um, we have a legal system where, hey, if you get caught stealing, committing murder, there is X punishment. It's not just enough, um, uh, not just for justice sake to have the punishment. It's also it's also necessary for people to know that there are repercussions for for um for all of uh, you know for all of the things we don't want people to do um that is the behavior modification part of it so if it was just <clears throat> if 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 God had just let us do a guessing game of hey you guys just go have at it and uh you know and and at the end of the day, I'll tell you who who goes in heaven and who goes in hell. That would not. That would just be you know God you know being justice. Uh, well, you know, being justice or something. If he just said, hey, be good, be evil, figure it out. You should know what is good by by yourself or be evil, or what is evil by yourself. But if you go, hey, these are the things you shouldn't, you ought not to do. If not hell. There's no other way but saying that is going to affect your behavior, except if I'm um, 
not interpreting interpreting behavior modification um, correctly. Um, but uh, then to answer your question, what do we do with evil beyond this slide? And like, there's nothing. That's it. Like, um, some people will do shitty things and will die and will get away with it. Uh, life is not fair. Uh, there's nothing I can do about that. And that's not something I want to care about. I do want to make the world we live in uh, a good, uh, better place. Um, but I will add something that, uh, I'll add something that I think may surprise you is that I think the, um, I think the concept of hell isn't that, I think the concept of hell is people, um, blowing something, uh, blowing what might be a good, 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 um, way to modify behavior. I think it's a good thing to modify behavior, by the way. Like, I'll point to a just, uh, legal system. It's good that we go, hey, you know, don't murder. If you don't murder, you know, there are repercussions. And we, we did this with our kids. Hey, don't do this. If you do that, there are repercussions. It's good to have all of that. And the best way to, the easiest way to do these things are by telling stories. Stories, if you, if you leave aside at hell, there are other stories we do. We tell our children because we want them to modify their behavior. We tell them the stories of, um, good prospering and evil not really prospering at the end. Um, all of this is a way of trying to modify, uh, people to, uh, to to do better. And I think hell is just it's just one that has just gone over uh overboard. Um there there are some books that um little kids read that would tantamount to child abuse as far as I'm concerned. Um and uh it's only looking back that it seems that way. But I see I'm, I'm trying not to throw away the baby with the bathwater. There is something in there as to, I get where they were going with, with that, but I just, I don't think it's helpful in the long run. Uh, thanks. All right. Thank you for that, Mikey. Um, Neil, you want to respond to that very quickly so that we'll move to the next person? Okay. No response. Uh, Joshua, you want to respond or you want to join the queue? I think he's not there. He's not there. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Are you responding to Neil? Yeah. 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 I'm okay. Too. All right. Thank you. Uh, a minute, please. All right. So I think uh, first I would like to talk about uh, L not being a modifier of behavior. I just like the last speaker. I think it does. I mean, it's sort of mimic this operant form of conditioning that has to do with reward and punishment. I mean, it's a well-known thing. When there is a reward for something, you should expect that people's behavior are skewed towards doing that thing. And then when there's punishment and something that is as scary as internal torment, like the air is supposed to be, you expect that people, you know, don't do, that, don't commit that act or don't participate in that part uh, that form of behavior. And looking at the, you know, when he said that. Different people have different ways of preaching the gospel of Christ, quote unquote. Yeah, that's true, but you know, that's just another easy way to just escape or to just try to 
not discuss the matter of what L is. I mean, we're talking about the fear of hair here, yeah, because the way it is usually preached or talked about is very scary to people, and for the most part, a whole lot of people are kind of trapped into believing the story, not so as not to, you know, end up being in the in the place of torment for eternity, which is understandable. So because of that, they have to modify their behavior, whether or not they want to do that. I mean, and most times, even people might make it seem like you're making a choice, like you have a choice to make between, you know, believing and not believing, going to heaven and not going to heaven. But it's as if the choice is not really there. I mean, when you are given a choice between uh, going to heaven and uh, being in internet torment no one wants to be in an internet torment so you should expect that people should be afraid enough or scared enough to move into into choosing the other option which is eternal enjoyment and we've seen that over time hell is a tool explaining this part of the world in nigeria for instance is usually at the center of the message of most christians because it's a tool to convert the people i mean once you plant the fear in them personally to some that kept the unfair note them because you don't want to end up in that part so you want to modify your behavior just to you know choose the better option and talking about the problem of evil that is spoken about first and first i i feel it's said that uh the idea of heaven and air is it serves as a cosmic uh like justice. cosmic like, justice yes cosmic just things and I think it, it's a very, uh, it's not, I, I don't agree with that because the idea of a hell or everyone is a very terrible idea if it is supposed to serve as justice because come to think of it, what, like what we warrant you to be in everyone hell, it's a simple thing. It does not have to be with behavior necessarily. Is a psychological state which is to believe. So even even if you commit the most erroneous act, you kill people, and then at the point of death, you change your mind and you believe in the special story constructed by the Christians, you earn a place in paradise. And even if you live the best life and you, I mean, in quote the best, like you've done good to people, like the good in terms of promoting their well-being and all of those things, and you fail to believe. You know, to, to just under that psychological state, just believe in some special stories, you end up in hell. I mean, like, in our our idea of justice, whether or not it is flawed, maybe our idea of justice as human is flawed. But when we look at that, it doesn't actually do any justice, really, because that's you can just hide under the guise of that and do the most erroneous act. We see that happening. Let's say religious houses in maybe Christendom or even Islam, people commit. A very uh, terrible act and they're still going to get away with it and some of them are believed that they're going to end up in heaven and not hell because they kind of believe so the sense of justice is not really really there because even the most unreligious person knows what it is to obtain justice this we are familiar with the law and all of those things so it, it doesn't really do the, uh, justice to like uh, the problem of evil like you said and the problem of evil, I feel that it's something that we probably won't be able to solve, to solve at all. Maybe nothing could be really done to that in reality, because uh, a whole lot of things that have, have happened throughout history, and they're going to happen throughout. Like, it's over even, a minute. Though. As long as, all right, as long as humans exist. So, really, that's really what I have to say, by the way. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Thanks for that, bro. Just to add to what he said, um, if I kill one person and I die, I'm going to hell. Hitler killed millions. 
he's dead. He should be in hell. What's that's not cosmic justice. I call that bullshit, man. Fucking bullshit. Anyway, Bumi, you're next. Bumi, are you there? Bumi, are you there? I'm here. All right. <laughs> I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so um, I think concerning what Neil said about um about the ghost will not being uh about about the ghost will not being about hellfire and all that, I think I think it's pretty wrong because we can't separate the concept of hellfire from salvation, and that's I feel like that's the first step we need to take because the whole idea of Jesus Christ is because he wants to redeem us from eternal damnation, right? So the idea of Jesus Christ to just falls apart if we take away hell fire. So that being said, even Jesus himself severally described hell fire, severally described torment, the gnashing of teeth and all that. So it's, it's a pretty elaborate concept in the Bible. It's in the New Testament to be precise. So it's not something you can separate from the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus actually rests upon uh, the concept of air fire. It's just like Batman and the Joker. It just doesn't make sense for Batman to have no idea. So there's Jesus Christ is bringing salvation from something, and that is from eternal damnation. So I feel like that is I I will not take that because I we most of us here were Christians before. So that is that is not what you know. That's not what the Bible says. But that being said, I I agree with what um I think even Michael I can't remember yeah what Mikey said about being a bigger modification and everything. So I think most of all CS has been said properly as an address. Thank you. All right, thank you very much, Bumi. Sorry, um, Bumi, the first part of your statement, who were you exactly addressing? I think that should be Neil, Navi. Or who was it? Okay, okay. I just want to. I was addressing Neil. Neil, Neil okay, okay. That, um, that's um, G, the concept of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Okay, I want to quickly say something. He said yeah. that the idea of the gospel is not essentially um, about hellfire. All right. Okay, okay. I get what you are saying. Uh, I just want to say, like, the, the thing is that. Christians disagree on the uh, on the view of hell. So I, I know when you are talking about hell, you you're thinking of eternal conscious torment or eternal damnation. So I want to say like there are Christians that just believe that that Jesus died to save people from death, like literal death. So when they are talking about eternal, um, they are thinking of eternal death, like it's not you don't have life. So they don't have this view of um you're being tormented forever. But they still believe that. Jesus is saving you from something. At least Jesus is dying so that you can have life, so that you can you can live in eternal bliss forever. So even though they don't have that um that traditional let's just let's just call it traditional view of hell, they still believe that Jesus is dying to save you for, from something. So I just want to say that in response to what you said. Okay. Um, and that lies that's the problem with the whole Christianity. They are not in agreement. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I feel I'm 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 speaking I'm speaking from the view of what the Bible is saying. We can have different ideologies from the same book, of course. We have churches that don't wear sandals for some reason. And then we have churches that wear sandals from the same reason stand. But I feel like basically what is written in black and white is what I'm taking just for what it is. 
how Jesus himself described the eternal damnation and the path of fire, the lake of fire. I think it's it's pretty repetitive. So you might not want to chill or maybe you might not want to um I, I understand what you're saying that they have different ideologies of what eternal damnation or salvation is or translate to. Yeah, I'm just saying of course, to entertain the bias or to entertain dissonance, there's a need to tone down those things. Not every Muslim man beats their wife too. So I feel like yeah, there's there's a part of basic basic maybe intelligence for people to generate certain but I understand you, so yeah. Thank you very much for that. Sure. Alright now. Uh moving on, um Afolabi. You want to add to the conversation? Oh, hi everyone. Um, yeah, it's just um, I saw the topic and it was kind of um, interesting. Okay. So um, for me, like I just want to add a little thing. For me, um, recently the way I see Evan or quote unquote is um, it's not actually like it's it's like um, a static place or uh, location. It is just like uh, that you end up after life or something. So. Um, so basically what um, our religion like teaches us is like, if you do good, you will end up in um, heaven and otherwise, or then hell. So um, for me, I just feel like... Um, sorry to, sorry to cut you. Sorry to cut you. Which, uh, which religion are you? Uh, so that we have for context. Okay, Muslim? Uh, no, I am not identified as any. Oh... Okay, I okay. used to be, but I'm not identified as any for now. Oh, okay. my God, my... Oh, no, it's fine, it's fine. Okay. So, um, so the problem is, um, like, um, recently, I think two years ago, and I've been going through a lot of things, like um, my health and everything. So I always feel like... So there's um, one person that I actually preach, because I was born into, like, um, a Christian and a Muslim family at the same time. My mom, Christian, my dad, Muslim. So I, I technically... I always feel like, oh, so I have um, two surgery in one year, like 2019. So on left eye, so I was listening to like um, like some prayer they sent to you on WhatsApp, this, that. So I was just like, okay, I, have, I haven't been doing anything bad in my life. So why will I be tormented this way? So, so my point is, um, so heaven is actually like um, a state of mind to me. So my accomplishment, like what I want to accomplish, like let's say, let's say if my religion is stopping me from maybe being a doctor, it's just an example, sorry. So, and I I go out of my way to do that, or like I want to be a nurse or not anything. So I just feel like that if if I actually achieve that, that's like heaven to me. So I don't really believe if you die, you just you end up in some like pit or you'll be tormented at your grave or something. Though I used to believe that, but this word, like, um, most of the thing, there is, there is, there should be a point where there should be logic. So, like, a lot of things about religion, like, you have to apply logic to it, and you see it's not right. A lot of things, even in Christianity, Islam, like, there are so many things that we, we need to, like, draw a line. Oh, this thing, there is no logic, and uh, there is no logic there, but I'm not saying they don't, like, all religion, they try to preach peace and it's actually holding the world into, like, um, in a peaceful or, like, in a better, not, I, I don't want to say better state because we have a lot of problems 
yeah, but that's another politics that entirely. But I'm just saying, like, even if there is no religion or whatever, we still we still be better because there is justice system. And uh, some people ask this same question every time. Oh, yeah, if there's no there's not this, there's no like punishment for this or that. If you if let's say if I'm like a fraud now, if I get caught, like yeah, I'm actually going through my own hell. That's the meaning. And if I don't get caught, yeah, it's your heaven. That's the way I see it. I'm not I'm not encouraging any bad thing. So like I'm just trying to say so there are like all these things we have to look into it. It's just like logic to me. So I don't really see any like big conversation like if you ha- if you do this, you will do this. Or like I ask myself, so if I'm not if I'm not a Christian, will I go to hell? If I'm not a Muslim, will I go to hell? And or like if I'm not this line up with this so like there are so many things we need to look into so i just so from from there i believe it's just like a, a state of mind and you just have to you just have to be and we have and again i always believe this thing when i was young too like like younger people my knees i ask them i just be like okay if you do this is it good or bad honestly you don't have to teach them they know i don't have to slap somebody before i know oh yeah i'm hurting this person so to be honest, I just feel like, uh, yeah, it's actually, we have consciousness to tell us what we are doing is wrong or bad. So it's just like, um, there are some things that we have to still debate. Is this good? Is this bad? Are we hurting other people? So that's just my own contribution. Thank you very much. Thank you for your contribution, Afolabi. So um, up next now is Mikey. Um, I don't know if I have much more than that time. Okay, okay. Uh, but let me let me just add a couple of things. I I'm happy for any Christian to adopt whatever version of hell is not the basic form of child abuse that um, mm. I see in a lot of uh, that's still going on in a lot of it's mostly Pentecostal churches in yeah. Canada. So. Um, I'm happy for anybody to uh, change change their view. That 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 is all for the better for me. Um, the the other thing I guess I would add um, is that uh, is I, again I'll just reiterate that I understand wanting to have a story that that uh, uh, makes people do do better and like. They, uh, discourages people from doing bad things. Uh, it just, it, I mean, like thinking, like other people have pointed out. I don't think there's anything you can do in in, in this life that eternal damnation is uh, is the answer or is is justice in quote unquote for like and even even someone like Hitler, like one of the worst people of all time. I don't know that burning forever, eternity is is a uh, it's like maybe one million years, maybe one million years of him burning. Uh, for, but eternity is a very long time. So like in, an infinite punishment or finite punishment seems like um, like a very misguided sense of justice. All right now. Thanks for for adding that. Uh, up next now is um 
Joshua. You want to finish? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, you're not available now. Okay, let's keep. Mr. Biscuit. <clears throat> Hello. Um, glad to be a, a part of the conversation. I think um, a lot of people don't understand the concept of hell from the Christian perspective. When, uh, when fire is being mentioned, um, the fire is not literal. A literal fire requires air and oxygen and matter and space, whereas uh, when hell is being described, it's a, it's a spiritual or, ex or extra-dimensional place, perhaps. So maybe the metaphor of fire is just something that the farmers and the agricultural society would have understood as a metaphor, but wasn't being used literally. Just as uh, in the book of Revelation, heaven is described as having streets of gold. Uh, I don't think it's literal gold, the gold that would be found on earth, or literal pearls or diamonds that have been found on earth. But what John was describing is that, um, that it's everlasting, such as gold doesn't tarnish and it doesn't rust. So he's trying to explain that this is an everlasting reality. And gold is the best way he can, the best word he can use to describe that as an ancient person, similar to fire being the best way to describe kind of the anguish. Someone mentioned Hitler, the last person I spoke mentioned um, Hitler and whether burning for, for eternity was a worthy punishment for Hitler. And I think you can kind of see if you've ever watched Hitler give a speech that the burning is happening inside him already. Um, so the, the, the Bible has kind of a deeper meaning than something so literal as being transported to a real hell as a location, but is kind of describing, I think, what's already happening in the hearts and souls of people. All right. Thank you, Mr. Abiskit. There's a question that comes to mind now. So to you, why you say uh, there's a deeper meaning, uh, interpretation, and all that, um, why, why doesn't the Holy Spirit settle this dispute among Christians? Because the vast majority of the Christendom are expecting people to roast like barbecue. So why, why doesn't the Holy Spirit settle this matter? I think that the Holy Spirit um, does operate to settle these things. I just think that, uh, just as Jesus said accurately in the Gospels, that there's a lot less Christians than, than those who say that they are. Uh, a lot of people have agendas other than the one that Jesus had, um, which isn't to say that everyone who has the wrong idea about hell or heaven is automatically not a Christian. I mean, I think... Uh, as people, God is pleased by our having different understandings and different perspectives, as long as we don't use them to, con to condemn people. All right. I, I would like to say some things to what you said there. Um, you, I want, like, I want you to be careful about saying um, some people are not, maybe they are less Christians than, I understand what you mean. that they, Okay, maybe not everyone is a sincere Christian. But the thing is that if you go to every almost every denomination you meet all kinds of christians there you would meet the one that is the lukewarm christian you meet the very sincere christian that is trying to uh, seek the will of the lord and follow god and all that 
you're going to meet all these True. type of people there. And the thing is that you see that still, it is still the primary uh, doctrine of of their denomination that still influences their theology. So that's what you see. So it doesn't seem like there's this Holy Spirit um, person that is actually telling them uh, the objective thing that God wants to do. Because if, if that, that was the case, you would expect a sort of, um, uh, what was this word? You expect a sort of convergence in theological views. That's just one thing I wanted to say. Uh, secondly, you, you said... Uh, uh, the fire is not literal and all that. Yeah, I can grant you all of that. But what you describe, this the sort of burning that we see in Hitler, the sort of anguish and all that, it's still something that is negative. It's still, I think you could compare it to uh, somebody having a, a, a bad um, psychological state, which is actually a bad thing. And if someone is going to be in that state forever, it's, it's, going to be, it's still going to be a bad thing on that person. So what we would do in or like what we human beings do is that we try to remove that person from that state. And if we can't even do that, maybe we, 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 we sort of try to restrict the person from hurting themselves. Like we, we, we treat them, um, we treat people that are, that have psychological illnesses. So you still have, even if it's not the literal fire, you still have this problem that, okay, this terrible thing is happening to people for eternity. And okay, why is, okay, if God can't save them, why, why doesn't he just maybe take them out? Like some Christians believe, some Christians are an annihilation is they believe that God is going to take such people out. They are not going to continue to continue existing for all of eternities. So why doesn't God just do that? And you also have the issue, like this is, this is one of the biggest problems for me from the Christian perspective is that you have a God that is all knowing. So before, before God creates anybody, he knows that, okay, this is, this is the state of, this is, uh, how this person is going to end up. Now, I'm not trying to argue that God's knowledge um, takes the person's free will again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God knows what the person is going to do ultimately and all that. And you could say, okay, I don't want this thing to happen. So I'm not going to create a person in the first place. But God goes ahead to, he knows what is going to happen. He knows that this person is going to reject Jesus and all that. And he goes ahead to create the person. And of course, if you if you take a literal um, interpretation of Matthew 7, 14, you, you have to say most people, most human beings that God creates are going to end up like this because uh, narrow is the way and few, few find it. So it doesn't really make sense that God doesn't want this to happen and he could prevent it by not creating the person in the first place. But he goes ahead to create the person. So I don't see how you could, um, ultimately you have to like say God has some responsibility to bear in this case. And that is just what I have to say to the, the points that you raised up. Thank you. I think you make a lot of very good points. Um, I, I had a daughter. My daughter is seven. She is seven months old. And before I had my daughter, I knew that there was a possibility that she would grow up to hate me one day. That's still a possibility, even though she's seven months old. And so if the question was posited to me, how, why would you choose to have a daughter knowing that she might someday hate you? Uh, you might, you know, there might be some trauma in her life. Uh, there may be something terrible which happens to her. I think that when God created man and gave man the freedom of the will, the freedom to either love or hate, love is the greatest ethic in the universe. Love is the greatest thing one person can do for another. Um, and I think in order for that love to be real, it has to be free. It can't be mechanical or robotic, right? So there has to be the option of hate in order for love to be real. And so I think that God found love such a powerful and important thing in the universe 
that he allowed there to be the option of hate that unfortunately a lot of people have taken that option okay uh, okay i get what you're saying but i just want to let me just quickly say this so maybe we could move on yeah i get i get the i get what you what you said but the difference between your analogy and in the case of god is that you're not omniscient you if you uh if you add the omniscient knowledge that your your daughter was going to become a serial killer like you knew this for certain i don't think you would go ahead to have your daughter but i i hope your daughter is not going to be become a serial killer and i i don't think that's the case i'm just using it as an example so that's the difference with what you have with god like god knows exactly what is going to happen he knows that okay this is how this person is going to end up it's not a matter of chance you know because of uh, or I don't know maybe you 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 kind of see God's um for knowledge in a different way and and secondly I was just going to say yeah the issue of free will this is the this is this is where I get a lot like I this is where it doesn't make sense to me anymore because according to Christianity God himself has free will but God is bounded by his nature even though so though um God is free God has free will God cannot choose to hate people because uh god is god has a perfectly loving nature so the same way god can't choose to do evil even though he has free will but because he has a perfect nature the same thing you have with people that end up in heaven like christians believe that there's this thing called um there's this thing called um is this sanctification yeah so you, you if you're a christian you are sanctified when you get to heaven uh people that are that belong to the eastern um the orthodox faith they they call it um they call it um t is it theosis yeah they call it theosis so you become more like god you have a you have this loving nature as well so you can't be in heaven and be desiring to to maybe cheat your neighbor or kill your neighbor because you are you have this nature like god so those two examples that i just gave god and people that end up in evil they are free but they can't they don't do evil because it's not part of their nature so you you have to ask the question like okay why didn't god just create people like that in the first place and that's why i that's where i see the the problem with the free will defense and that's just my re- response to what you said okay all right so let's I, let's uh, move on from an on this particular on part of what mr biscuit said yes uh in terms okay, quickly. of uh, heaven and uh going to hell like from an is- islamic perspective there is a hadith uh the fourth hadith of uh the 40 hadith of An-Nawawi, maybe some of you know or maybe you don't know. Uh, it says a person, a person's destiny has already been written for, for him. Like a person can be a good person until... Oh, sent me a message, sorry. Uh, a person can be a good person, but uh, until a few days left to his death or so, he might just uh, change to be a horrible person because it has already been destined that he is going to help. Like it's written in, in a hadith. So what I'm trying to say is, there is no way you can tell me that a merciful God who is all-knowing will create someone. And it, it just doesn't make sense. I can't even explain anything uh, regarding this issue. Because there is no way an all-knowing God, an all-knowing God, I mean, will create someone and then say uh, uh, he has already destined that that person is going to hell and then you can come and tell me that God has given that person free will. I think, I think that doesn't beyond, make sense at all. beyond this is why you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Bumi? Yeah. Okay, I'm muted. 
Yeah. Yeah, with you, me, um, Leo. Did you hear what I said? Yes, yes. So that's what I'm trying to say. You can't tell me that God has given uh, people free will when everything has been destined already. That is true. So uh, now that's uh, just like how you described it. That's also what the Calvinist says. Abby. Uh, John, is not that's the Calvinist view, predestination. Once you are predestined, your free will is <coughs> off the table. Yeah, that's I can speak as a Calvinist. <laughs> oh. Is it okay if I share? Okay, okay. Nick, quickly, Neil. Okay, Calvinist, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, so um, I, I just want to speak as a, uh, well, I would say I'm a Christian first. <laughs> but uh, I'm a, a, I subscribe to uh, Calvinism because it... Uh, um, and actually the, the, the medium, how it works, and this probably will not be satisfying to any of you, <laughs> I'll tell you right away, but, um, the, how free will and, um, you, one, one of the things that Leo was talking about was kind of this determinism of how before the foundations of the earth, this is what scripture says, um, that the Bible says that, uh, you know, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. Um, in eternity future and eternity past. Um, that is the um, essence of God's um, um, omnipotence and um, um, uh, omnipresence, as John was talking Omini about. Omnius um, or other place. Omniscient, yes. I would call it, yeah. Omniscience. Uh -huh. Omniscience and. There's also omnipotence. Um, all uh, uh, he's all present and um, and omnipotent as well. But uh, the how the Calvinist uh, explains it is that it is a mystery. So, um, and I know that's not going to satisfy anyone. <laughs> is that uh, how, how do we know? Well, we are very finite in our understanding. And so um, I, one thing I would like to respond to some of the things that John has said is, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? Well, um, that is, um, it's like saying, why doesn't God play by my rules? Or well, why, why doesn't God do what I think is best? And um, I'll, I'll tell you from the Christian perspective and from my worldview is that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the father's love for us so his love is unending um but his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways and i know for many atheists that comes off as a cop-out that comes off as a um well you can't answer anything then and you you just have a blanket answer just and and, and i i don't think it's satisfying it is not satisfying to to use that in places where it's it, it's abusive I, I think that should not be used as, oh, I don't know, God knows. Um, I don't think that that should be used that way. Um, or, or to say, well, you know, maybe I'll figure it out later. Um, but uh, I just wanted to respond as a Calvinist that what, in, if you're interested in looking at what the scripture has to say about how, um, <laughs> how God works in salvation and also how God works in um, in this determinism versus free will, I would say Ephesians 1 is a great place to start. It's a book in the New Testament, and basically it talks about how uh, it is a mystery. 
it is a mystery how the two work. And one day I hope to learn and understand from God uh, to, to see the, the full picture. But, but um, in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about how we see in a mirror dimly, but one day we will see fully. Um, what God has. So we we only have a small picture, like you guys have probably heard about searching for God is like blind men touching an elephant, saying that they're different things. Um, <laughs> but but I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably heard that one says it's a banana leaf because he's touching the ear. One says it's a snake because he's touching the, sn- the snout. And one says it is a tree because he's touching the leg. Um, but I'll tell you from from my perspective and for what I understand, um, it is something entirely different when the elephant speaks. It changes the, uh, the, the entire um, idea or the entire searching. If the elephant says, I am an elephant, you no longer wonder. That is exactly what we are, all God needs to come and do. God needs to scream. God is the fucking yeah. elephant in the room. Everybody, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Sorry, I want to quickly say, okay. I want to quickly say some things to what you said, but like I, I have a lot to say, but I, I'm just gonna keep it short. Right. So, of course, if you know me very well, you know I like Calvinists very well. I think they are my favorite type of Christians because I like horror movies and psychopaths, and I think the Calvinist <laughs> God is a psychopath. You call me a psychopath? No, 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 not you. <laughs> Sorry, not you. But, you. but, but I said I was. So that then you're calling me a psychopath. I, I mean, I'm not no, offended. You, I'm just you said the Calvinist no, God. No, I said the Calvinist God is a psychopath. Like, that's how I see. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I'm just going to try to keep some things I have to say. So I just want to ask one hypothetical question. Uh, if you, if you, let's say you get to heaven now, you're saved, and you, f- finally God is going to reveal the mysteries to you, and you ask God, that, okay, why is it that you could, you could predetermine it in such a way that everybody is saved, but you you did it in such a way that these um, people are going to go to hell and suffer for eternity. And God just tells you that, well, uh, I just did it because it's cool to me, it's fun to me, I like it. Like at that point, what are you going to do? Well, that is definitely your perception. <laughs> like y- you are are uh, um, <laughs> like. So, I, I mean, even the question comes from a, well, why didn't you do it the way that I thought you should do it? No, no, no. It's just, it's hypothetical, like purely hypothetical. You know, you, you said there's a mystery. There's a lot of things that we don't yeah, know. Yeah. And I, and I but, agree but with you. And I'm that. What if that, if that is the answer that God gives to you? I like, what do you do at that stage? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'll tell you what I do. I, I would say, who are you? Because that does not fall within the nature of God that is revealed in scripture. So who, who are you that's answering? Cause this does not sound like the, like the, the grand narrative of a God that created everything and loves his creation and is patient with his creation and cares for his creation and constantly pursues his creation. Like you, like one of the things that many people miss, if you don't read scripture, like within context, many people miss that, God is patient with his people. God pursues his people. God cares for his people. God provides for his people. But if, if you don't have the broad picture, the, 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 the basic understanding that, and, 
I, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I give no judgment to anybody that, that, that thinks that because here's the deal. I mean, you and I, John, I'll tell you, we're from a very different worldview and it, uh, how, how we answer the big questions in life is very different. Why am I here? Where am I going? What, what is the purpose of this human experience? You and I have very different answers for that. So I'll tell you. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, okay. I'll move on. Let's move on. Let's move before we. The queue is still. Is still. Uh, COVID, you have to respond, but you are next after the next person. So you, if you want to respond, respond to when is your turn. So next up now is Son of God. <laughs> son of God. How far? Son of God, are you there? Yes. Yes. Trying to <laughs> get That's your range before. Um, yeah, so um, I don't know where to start. There's so many, so many information. We can't hear you well, though. Sure, you give us a little more. Is it better now? Stuck again. Is it better now? Ah, fantastic. Okay. Um, let me see. The first thing I'm going to say is. If you threaten people that if if they do something wrong, they'll be punished. And if they do something good, they will get rewarded. What's the motivation to do something good? If you do something good now, you can be doing it not because you want to be good, but you are doing it because there's a reward. To me, that doesn't make you a good person. Because it's like it's like I'm trying to be friends with you because there are some benefits I'm going to get from being friends with you. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're with Hello? you. Yes, yes, we are hearing you. We're with you. Okay, I think I'm very quiet. Okay. So this um, hell thing, it doesn't make any sense to me because that was one, when I was really little, there was a time that I was, I was thinking about this hell. I was depressed. I was crying continuously because I was coming from school. I was in primary school then, and I was coming home and I saw this obituary and I saw people gathered because I used to live in Mushi. I saw people gathered. It was an Igbo boy that I think used to do spare parts um, business and the guy was like 20 something. And I saw people were sad. I was saying, that was where I discovered that. So one day I'm going to die. But when I dropped this whole religion thing, I now found that that's the motivation that pushes people to stay in religion, especially in Nigeria, that fear of death. No one knows because no one has actually died and came back and said there was hell, there's hell. Because for each country and each religion, when people die, they always have a different afterlife. There was even one um, documentary I was watching one time that, uh, that they said that they, they, they did this experiment because people say when they are in um, is it when they're in coma or they're in a trance or something that they see themselves floating? That they see themselves floating around the um, uh, ER or wherever, wherever it is that they're performing the surgery. And they now put, they put a picture on top of a shelf that faces the ceiling so that they'll be able to tell if those people are floating or if they are, or if the brain that is, the chemicals that the brain is releasing is making them try to put, be at peace, like there's, there's some way they are going to. And none of these people, none of these patients 
who was flying, who felt that they were flying, saw this image. So the thing just made the whole thing collapse that whatever people think that they are calling the afterlife is not real. Because if you go to the Hindus, the Buddhists, each time someone gets uh, this near-death experience, they always see something different. It's always that God that they are exposed to that they always see. I've never seen a Muslim that doesn't know anything about Christianity, although there's a common ground that, that Muslims have, that Muslims say that, uh, that there's Jesus in the picture, but Jesus is just a prophet, and Jesus was not even crucified. It was Judas that was crucified in his place, and all Christians are going to hell because they worship man as God. I've been to, I've read it, so I've read the old Quran, the old Bible, uh, because I was looking for the truth. Um, through what he was saying about um, if you have a child and you know that the child might hate you. What I'm just going to say about that is because it, um, God's own part is um, way is different because it's not a might. He knows for certain. He's omniscient. He knows everything that is going to happen before it happens. And the knowledge that, the, yeah, that, um, that you said is, um, is way is above our way if you want your people to serve you, it doesn't even make sense for you to be able to be uniform. It's just like I'm a, I'm a scientist now. I tell you that two plus two is four. Even though I have all the PhDs, I have 15 PhDs, and I tell you two plus two is four. Wouldn't it occur? It should occur to me that I should that someone will want to someone will question this and how is two plus two four? So I'm supposed to make a formula that will be able to make that the next person that if they want to confirm it, they will be able to arrive at the same result. Is that too hard for God to do? Just a thought. That's my contribution. Okay. Thank uh, you. All right. Thank you very much, son of God. Thank you. So next up is uh, COVID. So COVID, uh, you have like uh, three minutes. Okay. I'll make it, I'll make it real. Everyone is putting on their nose mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, social okay. distance. I was, yeah. I was wearing mine, but I took it off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, before you talk, COVID, before you talk, okay. yeah, everybody, yeah. if you're not getting the COVID vaccine, please get to, as a COVID vaccine <coughs> wants to talk now, get the COVID vaccine. COVID yeah. is, especially if you're in Nigeria, Nigerians don't take that shit serious. They think they move. He would have, he would have named himself uh, the Delta variant. That was more <laughs> <deadly>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, la, COVID, go on. Yeah, so, um, I, at the beginning of this room, I was, you know, coming in and out. But where I remained was where I started listening to Mr. Biscuit say, you know, stuff about hell, um, you know, hell and fire, the hellfire being not being literal, and then, then the heaven be gold also not being literal. You know, when I left religion, or Christianity, to be precise. I think what stood out to me was how the description of these two places that are not on earth are so like the elements that are used to describe them, or the elements, I wouldn't use the word describe, but the elements that they are, right? The elements that they are are still the same that we know 
within ourselves, uh, you know, amongst ourselves, which is fire, gold, pearls, diamonds, and whatnot. You see, it goes to show you that because if you move from from Earth here down to Mars or to other planets, you would see that you know there is there is a big uh, the elements are not the same, right? So the elements are not the same. If you go to Jupiter, you know, um, if you go to Mars, they are not consistent with what we have here on Earth. So it it bring it makes me wonder why is this that all of a sudden these two places that are not even in the physical realm would have all we know in this our limited understanding. It makes me think and 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 believe that it was just humanly constructed, right? As a social tool to control um the the, the behaviors of men to make sure that they conform to these doctrines. So there was something also um Biscuit said. And he said, can everybody hear me? Okay. Yeah. There was something Biscuit said. Okay. There was something Mr. Biscuit said, and he said that, uh, you know, he doesn't think, keyword, think. I heard him. He said he doesn't think that, um, you know, those, those things were literal, but they were just metaphorical descriptions. And my question to him is, to him is, why, what informs him to believe that that which was written in the Bible to say, to describe what hell is, is and what heaven is, what informed him to, to feel that it is metaphorical as opposed to literal? Because, you know, it's a very, very important question because these are, this is one of the reasons why you would have eight churches on one street, reading from one Bible, saying eight different things on one particular subject, right? I think what would, what would help, what would help would just be nothing short of consistent, consistency, right? Clarity. Uh, he, he, even, even the scientist, the finite man, right? The man that is prone to error is still shown to be consistent in his errors and in his progresses, right? So I don't think it would be too much to ask that a God that is, you know, all-knowing and in that in his wisdom, he would write this book in such a way that it would be understandable to the littlest of children, one. Two, that there will be no confusion whatsoever because here... Right now, we already have one situation where someone is not even sure whether it is literal or metaphorical. And I, like I said, I asked him a question. I'm saying, what informs him to believe that it is metaphorical as opposed to literal? But because to me, I would want to believe it was literal, right? And um, would, yeah, would you mind if I responded to the question? Okay, hold on, go uh, thirty seconds more. Yeah. So I think that, that yeah, I think that's pretty much it. You know, it's 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 really I don't even know the word to use, but you you look around, you see science. This is why we can keep relying on science, right? You you heard ranting now, just say we should go get the vaccine. He didn't say we should go to some church to get some anointing oil. And and I and I I want to believe Neil and Mister Biscuit would not advise us to come to their church to get some anointing oil if their church were consistent. 
in 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 healing people or they showed consistency in you know turning um health situations for the better i i believe they will be in the right position to 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 proffer that advice but so all, all we ask all i ask i'm speaking for me right now is consistency and it's i think it's weird that what was used to describe these two places are just all we know i wish you know when god was revealing these things to john he could call you know give the the actual names of these things just say okay this is some trees this is green tar this is you will walk on Clentil. Do you get like just call some weird names that we've never heard before and let us know that okay, you know, we're looking forward to that. It's not like we already know what gold is and pearls and diamonds. So I think that's all I have to say. Okay, uh, Mr. Biscuits, you have one minute to respond. One minute? <laughs> uh, you wait. Uh, okay, if you can't respond uh, in that time, you wait for the queue to come out because there's still at least five people who so, haven't spoken. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, I'm ranting. Good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Jide Jadon Adegun. I live in Nigeria, and I've enjoyed the discussion so far. So um, I'm not a moderator, and um, I just, but I just wanted to make a suggestion. Since the question from COVID was a little bit long, and he had, I mean, the guy was literally preaching for almost 10 minutes, if not more than, I think it would be unfair to give just one minute of response. So I think Mr. Biscuit should have at the very least three minutes just my that's just my opinion anyway i mean i'm not a moderator okay, so i can yeah. say yeah, i can shots but i'm just making a suggestion okay fair enough that's fair enough okay mr biscuit okay thank you very much um so i think the question put to me was what gives me the justification of thinking that it's not literal and that it is metaphorical so when you read the bible you're not reading Harry Potter, for instance. You're not reading um, just one book. The Bible is 66 different books. Some of them are poetry that should be read poetically. Some of them are prophetic, um, written by someone who presumes himself to be a prophet. Some were written uh, from a historical perspective. Some of them are war texts. And so when you're reading the Bible, it's important for you to recognize what the author was trying to portray. So one of the reasons that I understand John's description of heaven to be metaphorical is because he's met using metaphorical language. He says like a lot. The voice of God was like rushing water. His face shone like the brightness of the sun. So when he's saying this was like this and like that, what he's trying to say, I'm sorry? That is a comparison. That is not a metaphor. Correct. So, so what I'm saying is, uh, when, he, when he's using a comparison, he's saying it's not literal rushing water. He's saying this is what it was like. Um, so the streets were paved with gold, right? The, 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 so John is using this metaphorical language throughout his entire picture of the heavenlies. Um, and Jesus was known uh, for using parallels. Um, and parables. So what a parable means literally is a story cast alongside reality. That's literally what parable means. And so what Jesus was trying to do when he told parables was take reality and put it alongside a story to make spiritual realities make more sense to people who live in the natural world. And the reason that makes a lot of sense is because 
if I was from another planet, let's say a planet that no one had seen before. And in that planet, there's nothing like anything on earth. Then the best way to describe that planet to you would be the use of metaphor. Or the, the, the best way to describe it to you would be to say, okay, on this, on my planet, there are, there's something kind of like trees and something kind of like grass and kind of like rocks while you know, not being that exact, that exact thing, but trying to paint a picture for you. And so these are some of the reasons why I understand uh, those descriptions to be metaphorical instead of literal. Okay, I think that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're here to subscribe, please consider subscribing. Apple, Spotify, Google, any other place you get your podcast. If you are not on Clubhouse, please join. Then also join the Free Thinkers Hangout on Clubhouse. Links are in the show notes below. Have a great week and take care.